All right, welcome back to Mother Box, our second official episode with your hosts, Lyrae and Matron. No, I, <laughs> I no that works. I remember us talking about that in, a, okay. in, a, in an email, yeah. All right, once upon a time, we said that. I'm Paul, and, and, and Matt's here with me, and we're going to get into... Hello. Uh, hello, hello. Uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, we're excited for all of you joining us. Hopefully, this, this is an episode where you're catching us on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast server um, is out there, and you're, you've, you've found us through multiversitycomics.com, our home and the home of great comics news and coverage and uh, great comics podcasts as well. Or you've um, you know somehow heard that somebody's talking about Jack Kirby's Fourth World and uh, and the New Gods, and so um, that's what we're here to do. And, and today, Matt, we got a, a fun lineup of issues here. Um, yeah. I'll just run us through the titles, but before we do, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm you know, in the midst of a very busy time, but those are the times when it is m- the most of you know feeling of relief to come to some old comic books and read them. So this is- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to come back to the familiar when you're uh, surrounded by so much new and strange. Exactly. I'm gonna say something later about um, you know, what do you call it? Like popcorn TV, the stuff that you just your brain wants to chew on, and uh, and this kind of fits that in a certain way. So mm. um, we're talking about Forever People number two, April and May 1971. Uh, New Gods number two, also April and May 1971. Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen 137 in the same month. And every time we list these months, Matt, I'm just astounded that Kirby was this incredibly fast. Oh yeah, I'll never get over that. Yeah, yeah it's crazy. <laughs> and then Mr. Miracle number two. Uh, from May, June, 1971. And so we'll walk through each of the issues. Hope you're reading along with us. If you're picking up the the issues digitally or you have the gigantic fourth world omnibus and it's breaking your back like it's breaking mine to carry it around the house, <laughs> um, hopefully you'll join us. And um, and so, Matt, I don't know, before we launch into Forever to People 2, which, which I'll give us a summary on, did you have any kind of... Uh, you know, over overarching feelings as you as we're, now we're sort of deep into the second issues of of many of these series. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel as though the the overarching or overarching story is starting to develop. Mm-hmm. I mean, as we'll as we'll discuss in New God number two, the you know we start to see that there is kind of a master plan that's tying all these threads together. Yes. Um, and I think the first issues of all of these, and the and you know the sort of the earlier issues of Jimmy Olsen as well. Were very much, um, you know, they could be separate tales, yeah. um, and that's still the case this this time around as well. But you definitely feel as though there is some crossover in effect, and there is kind of a a cause in one issue that ripples effects out to other issues as well. Mm-hmm. So that's quite interesting to see. Um, and generally speaking, it's good to feel as though Jack Kirby's getting into his stride a little bit, yeah. and he's kind of um, the the writing is a little more fun. There's actually kind of Intent points where I intentionally laughed, as opposed to you know, kind of unintentionally found humour. Um, so, um, so yeah, so it, it was interesting to kind of pick up those moments, and um, and yeah, I think it's um, it feels like a little more coherent. You know, we 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 talked about when we for, before we started recording the idea that there is there's two episodes this week that are very much kind of um, progress the overall story and mm-hmm. kind of are introduced themes and ideas and characters that will carry us through. But then there's a, there's two other the other two issues are very much fun, um, mm-hmm. but they're ultimately not as not as important to yeah. the the grander narrative, right? Um, but still have their in, you know their moments, yeah. Um, 
What about you? Yeah, I felt the same. I mean, I think even the throwaway shoes have little pieces that, you know, not only can we take up a little bit, but DC takes up later on, you know, other DC creators mm-hmm. and things like that. But I, I like this this feeling that the world is expanding and there's a coherence in reading the four titles all together. You know, one of the things, you know, three things that come off the top of my head, one of them is that um, you kind of really see dark sides tendrils. <laughs> you know, each of the <laughs> yes, issues yeah. has sort of like their own um, stock villains who are sort of, uh, you know, some manifestation of Darkseid's evil empire. And so that's kind of a fun thing to see being set up and paid up, paying off, you know, book after book, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think another thing weaving them together is you're really starting to sense the saving power of the mother boxes, you know? And so the in, yeah. in, uh, in several of these titles, the mother box is, is what comes through. And so there's a, a <laughs> obviously the title of our podcast, but there's this kind of sense of, um, of the the entrance into earth world of um these mother boxes and and sort of what they bring with them and i think that's interesting to think about in light of the the feeling that kirby is trying to um i don't know paint a picture of a moral universe i guess and the Hmm. last thing is i i think it's just to add what you to what you were saying you know i um i'm a big tv snob i really like you know prestige dramas <laughs> like uh, yeah, Mad Men yeah. and Bandager, uh, The Wire and things like that. But I have this respect for shows like the CW, uh, uh, DC superhero shows or, you know, the Marvel Netflix shows because uh, I think especially those CW shows, they have, I think, three tasks that they have to take on at once, which I feel like Kirby has to do too. Is One, they have to be standalone single episodes or issues that are interesting enough in themselves to have their own sort of, you know, arc within one episode, right? Two, yeah. they have to be a serial story that builds issue upon issue to, to progress somewhere. And three, they have to contribute you know, and serve the larger universe. And I feel like Kirby's doing this in each of those issues, which is not easy and sometimes feels a little canned. But, um, but to be able to accomplish that, to build out the bigger universe of you know, apocalypse and new gods and conflict over Earth, to have these characters who issue, issue by issue are kind of growing and moving and changing. And then for every issue to have the sort of similar rhythms of, uh, you know, action-packed climax and, and all the setup in the beginning. It's uh, it's pretty impressive. And and I, I don't know, I respect that craft. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think there's, there's not an insistence upon that. There's not a kind of, um, you must read all of these to yes. understand the grander narrative. But it's almost, um, it, it's almost as though he has fully created this world in the background and he's mm-hmm. just creating stories within it as opposed to kind of using these interweaving narratives to 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 craft a massive uh, saga in, in in fact he you know he's it almost feels like that is an unintentional side effect of him just exploring this world he's created right 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 absolutely yeah mm. yeah so shall we through the boom tube Yes, yeah, let's dive in. <laughs> or travel so, through whatever the whatever, whatever the uh, yeah. accurate verb is for what you do with Ubuntu. <laughs> yeah. Um Forever People number two uh continues on with the adventures of Mark Moonrider, Big Bear, Viking the Black, Seraphin, and Beautiful Dreamer, uh, who are now assembled all together, right? And mm-hmm. uh, at the beginning we kind of encounter the world of Earth shocked and 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 you know, somewhat fearful or somewhat um <laughs> condescending upon these hairy uh hippies and uh yeah. and you know surprised by them but really soon what happens is that um mantis who is one of uh, dark side's minions who really all seem to sort of all grovel and cower in a similar way <laughs> under under dark side uh anyway yeah. he's, he's sort of sent to earth to um to try to take over the earth in fact actually he's given leave in a sense to um in his own sovereign way try to take over earth and Darkseid, of course, has his own reasons for allowing him to do that. But um, as 
as happens, uh, you know, we see a little bit of beautiful dreamers power to change uh, what psionic powers, I guess, to, mm. <laughs> to um, insinuate some influence upon one fearful citizen who, uh, you know, is just threatened by these uh, these young free hippies and uh, shows her ability to um, <laughs> make him see them differently with his own lenses of nostalgic associations. Uh, wish that beautiful dreamer could be part of uh, some political campaigns around here. And mm. <laughs> we also um, <laughs> see, uh, uh, you know, uh, they some uh, a kid uh, who encounters um, what, what these co- cosmic cartridges that are on the hat, uh, the the you know resting on the brim of the hat of seraphin and uh it's the experiences what these capsules do which is really sort of a weird kirbian drug drug trip as <laughs> they're they're yeah. able to grab um images of you know all, all the threat that's uh, that is exploding on the scene as um as a uh, um uh, our villain here mantis tries to take over the world and so of course our forever people have to come together hands up on the mother box and uh infinity uh, you know, uh, Infinity Man manifests, appears, <laughs> as we've yeah, talked yeah. about. That's their shtick. And then they have the mighty battle between Mantis and Infinity Man, which uh, ultimately, of course, um, uh, I- Infinity Man is is ultimately victorious and uh, sends Mantis packing. And uh, I mean, I don't know that there's any huge developments in the universe except for, you know, what, one attempt of, of Dark Sides for one of his, uh, his minions to uh, take over the world. Um, <laughs> hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Ma- Mantis has his pod, his power pod, and <laughs> literally crawls back. from and then just crawls back into, which is just kind of like it's it's like a a kind of a walnut shell of a exactly. coffin, and he just kind of literally just hauls himself back into it. I must regain power, he says, and gain strength, and it's like it's literally just an empty box. It's really That's right. Weird. That's right. I can't decide if if I'm supposed to feel th- any threat from Mantis or not. You know, in some scenes, mm. he's, he's yeah. Uh, I don't. Uh, there is a genericness to to Mantis, which kind of I think brings this issue down a little bit. Like this is the yeah. one of the two that we were talking about was kind of a a bit of a we can breeze through it a little bit because there's yeah. not as much going on. And I think part of that is is unfortunately Mantis, which I feel as though he's a bit um he's a bit generic. He's a bit kind of like monster of the week right. um, element to him. Right. Um, but um, but generally speaking, I, I thought this was a fun issue. I thought it was um, an easy read, a quick read. There's um, there's a couple of themes which I think are central to Forever People, and mm. we've touched upon them before. Mm. The idea of um, like the when they first are introduced to um, I can't see the the name of the boy Donny, the the boy Donny, oh, like yeah, the young yeah. child, and right. his uncle uh, Uncle Willie, is it? Yeah, so, it's right, like yeah. It's, the the young sees them as they are and accepts them for who they are, but the old person needs to have kind of nostalgia in yeah. order to accept them, you know. Yeah, and it's yeah. kind of there is there is something, um, you know, quite thematic about that that runs through Kirby's work and runs through the the Forever People specifically because they are, um, bright and ch- the children of the future. They're bright and positive, you know, and they and the old guard kind of have to have their eyes clouded by, you know the the what they're used to and what they what they see before which again you know is very kind of politically sensitive almost really isn't it you know i'm I'm surprised that he sees viking the black for who he is but just with a cowboy hat on as opposed to you know (laughs) a a friendly and comfortable white man i'm surprised the old guy uncle willie sees that but you know i'm I'm kind of i'm presupposing that uncle willie is racist because he's old but i'm that's uh, that's rude on my part uncle willie's obviously not racist um and the other thing is the beginning um which my my favorite part of this issue was Big Bear and how Big Bear deals with a 
kind of a, a, a heckler or a mm. mocking individual on Earth. And mm-hmm. it just kind of, I like that that's, there's a moment early on where they, they land on Earth and they, they land in the middle of an intersection. Uh, mm-hmm. And there's just cars beeping all around them. And, you know, people just assume they're hippies because they're all dressed funny clothes and they've got like a you know they're they're talking about motorized hippies how about that and there's like one there's one man that has like an open maw of a laugh he just like unhinges his jaw to laugh at uh, laugh at big bear and big bear just like breezes it off you know and i I think you know we could all be a bit more like big bear in the idea that he just you know the guy's laughing at him Mm -hmm. and making a cruel mocking joke about Mm -hmm. big bear but then big bear just chooses to laugh with him and give him a big hug and just go oh thank you for the experience we're laughing together you know and there is there is a little bit of naivety to that but also at the same time i think it's you know there's a lot to learn about how to combat kind of negativity in the world and that's the kind of overwhelming positivity yeah um and again you can read too much into it in the idea well not too much but you can read into the idea of this man like instantly mocks the big bear because he's different because he's from another place because he's not like them mm-hmm. you know and it's a very us versus them thing and he just mocks them and degrades them and brings them down because that's what me- that's what people do mm-hmm. um and you know big bear is is a good person he's a kind person and he just kind of brushes it off with a bit of a laugh but that moment you know where he hugs the man so hard that he passes out <laughs> uh, <laughs> gave me a genuine smile you know it made me really kind of laugh to myself and thought oh that's really good you know yeah. um but um but yeah, yeah this, is, this is this is a funny show i don't know when, what else did you did you pick up anything else as you went through it not not a whole lot to add i, I enjoyed what you enjoyed as well and uh pr- probably my favorite moment of the issue is at the end in the climactic battle between infinity man and uh, mantis when um <laughs> basically mantis is explaining what he's doing and then uh infinity man you know punches him pow and he says you hesitated to gloat mantis it was your undoing and it was like thank you for pointing out that it's all this excess excess verbiage that really is the downfall of the villains you know yes yeah that was quite good didactic old folks who are over explaining everything and uh it's a funny commentary for us reading kirby you know and of course kirby writing comics the way the comics are written at the time where everything is over explained and and things yeah. like that so it's kind of a funny yeah. moment but uh you have the, um... in your possession this issue do you not Yes, yeah. When I went to uh, Santa Barbara, I went to Metro Comics Entertainment and uh, picked up Forever People number two. Oh. Um, I was looking for as many um, Fourth World issues as I could to um, to kind of to aid this podcast along and the upcoming podcast that I knew we were going to be doing. Yeah. Um, and I was interested to see, to dig through Forever People issue two mm. um, and to see what differences there were really or what differences mm. there are um, in this compared to the, uh, the digital version which I'm reading, mm-hmm. um, which I assume has been kind of your the the omnibus i assume is reprinted from yeah. the digital reconstructions so yeah. Yeah. um from what i can see there's not a great deal of difference um i got a lot more enjoyment out of physically reading the issue um which might be the same enjoyment that i imagine you share reading it in an omnibus car so i can't imagine it being the original issue having anything to do with that really so i can't imagine I don't really want to gatekeep people and say, oh, you can only enjoy it if you buy, the, you know, spend $15 <laughs> on the original issue. Um, but um, but no, I think there's there's something fun about the um, the adverts in it. The adverts are really fun. And they <laughs> there's definitely a moment where I was reading through and the, the theme of the uh, adverts mm. is, um, is basically... Um, what we would consider a stereotypical hippie mm-hmm. because there's there's <laughs> collections there's uh express yourself be yourself do your thing with these great new things and it's campus classics is the company 
and they mm-hmm. sell posters. Huh. And they some of them like there's a peace symbol. There's um there's love and peace and mm. support your local planet and um easy rider and quite a lot of 70s kind of symbology and things like that. Uh, yeah, Don Quixote. Yeah. And some of them have got BL in brackets behind them. And I wondered what that was. And there's a little box there that says BL denotes black light poster. And if that and if that's not seventies, then I don't know what is. And that's like that goes on for four pages, uh, three pages. Sorry, like the double Holy page cow. spread of the of the book. You know, yeah. the, the where the where the staples are. That yeah. is all signs of the zodiac black light posters. Wow. There's um, pendants of love and peace that you can wear around your your neck. And I kind of almost feel as though that that is the target audience, isn't yeah. it, for this for yeah. a book like this? You know, or at least that's what DC is designated <laughs> as the target audience. And it kind of got me thinking as well because, um, like Spider Man and the X Men specifically, were mm. books that Kirby came from to do this, and they were books at the time that pushed Marvel to the forefront of the the burgeoning kind of teenage or student market. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so when when Peter Parker moved off to university, that was because the the you know they, the target audience they were they were um, un, unwittingly at first reaching out to. You know they realised that all of these kids that re- grew up reading golden silver age were growing up and moving to college but still reading these issues mm. and so marvel with its kind of world outside your window you know young flawed heroes approach right. were able to tap into that crowd you know and the early uncanny x-men issues with them going to like jazz bars and um, <laughs> and things like that and, and peter parker saw like kind of um, protests on campus and things like that um, and so maybe this is you know that got me thinking maybe this is dc's attempt to tap into that market as well to kind yeah. of you know, talk about having kind of kids and having people look down on hippies. Yeah. And, you know, the hippies being the heroes. And not only that, the all of the adverts in this book geared towards, you know, that same demographic, you know. So it's mm-hmm. it's interesting to kind of consider. That is interesting. Yeah. And, and I, I'm thinking the same demographic, but maybe just five years later, you know, because... Uh, yeah, we have Donnie uh, having a basically an LSD trip <laughs> in this issue. Yeah. yeah, and all the sort of you know we're sort of slightly closer to the seventies, and <laughs> when all that stuff takes that turn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. Oh, yeah, that's man, that's kind of a, awesome. Yeah, that's kind of a terrifying moment, really, because they just kind of give him this little pill, and this young boy sure. experiences like all of creation. <laughs> and just like wow, I don't think his mind's meant to be open that far and that quickly. You know, yeah, it's uh, it was fun, yeah, but um, but yeah, it's a good issue. Yeah, 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 it's fun, and and I I, you know, whether it sort of matters or not, I just kind of like the forever people diversion, you know, and it it is exactly mm. that reminisce that that uh, Kirby's taking us to his his sort of like you know old person's respectful homage to young people and stuff so yeah that's good yeah. stuff Hello, everybody. My name is Mike. And I'm Greg. And together we are Robots from Tomorrow, a twice-weekly podcast appearing at MultiversityComics.com. Each week, we take some time to check out books and shelves on Wednesday that are worth your attention. And each month, we dissect the previous catalog. We also have long-form discussions about books we've enjoyed, like Dan Clow's Ghost World and Jack Kirby and Mike Royer's Commandy. And if that's not enough, we also do creator interviews. Some of the talks you'll find in our archives feature Mike Mignola, Leila Del Duca, Sean Martinborough, Emma Beebe, and Greg Rucka. So that's a lot of content for everybody. Please subscribe. Subscribe to Robots from Tomorrow in iTunes or Stitcher so you never miss a thing. Robots from Tomorrow has hours of comic-focused entertainment week in and week out. And now, back to your show. Um, do you want to take us into New Gods number two? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, okay. so this is um, New Gods number two, and um, the the focus of this issue is um, it, it starts off by recapping the the New Genesis and Apocalypse kind of history, um, and it kind of leads you into it. And because there was a lot last time, you know, one of the things we mentioned last episode was the fact that New Gods issue one was probably the most densely packed of the right. issues that we'd read so far. Um, and there's almost a sense that Kirby knew that, which is why he's kind of recapping that here as well and saying, this is this, this is New Genesis, this is Apocalypse, this is what their deal is. Um, and most of it is following Orion, um, and to the point where even the issue, the, the the cover of the issue is called Orion of the New Gods. Right. So I don't know if that was kind of a way of trying to condense or almost kind of um, streamline the series so it wasn't like an ensemble piece, it was yeah. more about one single character which might have been an, an editorial decision i don't know but mm, um mm, mm. but you know either way the story does follow orion and follow how he fights a confrontation with dark side himself mm-hmm. um which is also the um the, the the one of my favorite parts of this uh will be one of my favorite parts of these four issues that we read is the idea that uh we get some gorgeous double page spreads or we get gorgeous full page spreads one of light ray then one of New Genesis and Apocalypse, yeah. and then a double page spread of New Genesis, which is is wild to to kind of you know you have to spend a moment to kind of absorb it all to take yeah. it all in, mm-hmm. um, and then a, a few pages of um, of High Father and Light Ray talking about the war that's begun um, mm-hmm. on Earth and over Earth, and then um, and then the next page is um, is is Orion opening the door to um, let's see what his name is I can't remember the guy's name. Um, Dave Lincoln, one of his four kind of human right. followers that he rescued from Apocalypse last week. <laughs> right. um, opening the door and Dark Souls just sat there in a chair waiting for them. And I love that scene. I love, <laughs> I, I, what I love about this version of Dark Side is he's not afraid to just kind of stand there and look a bit small. And he's not afraid to sit in a chair and right. wait. <laughs> <laughs> just What was he doing before they opened the door? Was he just sat there? Was he trying to work the telly? Like, I don't know. It's funny. <laughs> but he he's just sat there he's not even looking at them and like they open the door and they go you know hold friends do not enter this room it is accursed um and uh and yeah dark side is just sat there in a standard chair just kind of just looking at them yeah. <laughs> just talking right. to them why stand and be imposing when you can sit and you know just be imposing as well um so yeah i love i love dark side's kind of um there's almost the mundanity of, of sure. the greatest but arguably the greatest villain in the universe uh, just sat in a chair in Dave Lincoln's apartment <laughs> waiting for them to get home. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Darkseid's kind of um, evil hand um, is um, a, a monster, a, de- a being called Brawler, um <laughs> who has uh, the power of the shock prod and the hand of stone, which he uses to fight against Orion. Um, they fight for a little bit, and then um, we kind of see things from um apocalypse point of view we see mm-hmm. dark side's plan come into motion mm-hmm. um and we talked last episode about new gods being a kind of a linchpin for the whole mm-hmm. saga you know mm-hmm. this this series more than any being the one to read and i think this is certainly true here as well because um we see that not only does dark side unleash a fear wave so like a wave of kind of terror that sweeps across the city that um, mm-hmm. that Orion and his four friends are in. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also see a couple of pages um, where they kind of, this is where they tie everything together, you mm-hmm. know. So uh, basically Apocalypse uh, starts invading Earth. And this is almost kind of, this this issue 
is almost set before everything we've read before mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. they they touch upon um mantis so man they talk about the fan the fact that the awesome digger mantis whose mammoth power rivals that of dark side himself mm. now uh, even now he tunnels somewhere beneath us planning untold havoc so that's what we saw in the last issue in mm-hmm. forever people number two mm-hmm. and then on the next page they talk about um not only do the uh, these monsters prowl and seek in dark side's claws not only in the known domains but also in the stranger places like the wild area mm. um and that's yep. about the hairy so that's from the superman's pal jimmy olsen yep um and then also then there's also um a page where they talk about um servitors on land and on in and in the sea as well which i think um the new arrivals to earth waters called the deep six they appear in later later issues of new gods so he's almost Mm. he's establishing things that have already been like Mm. literally already been because they've been the release order that we're reading them in means that we've read about them already Right. Um, but he's also setting things up to come as right. well. Right. Um so anyway, Orion um sort of deals with this um with this fear ray um that Desad, uh the <laughs> typical kind of prototypical kind of henchman of of, <laughs> uh, of Darkseid kind <laughs> of unleashes. Um and again he Orion discovers that this um fear generator has been disguised as a great billboard. <laughs> um which um, there's there's something there's something to that analogy, isn't there? Really, mm, the idea mm-hmm. of fear being spread through mm-hmm. advertising and propaganda and things like that, which is yeah. very interesting. Yeah. Um, mm. And then he destroys that, and um, and everything kind of is back to normal. But then they very much kind of you know talk about the fact that something has only just begun here. This mm-hmm. is something much bigger. This was like kind of the opening volleys. And his four human friends say, "Count me in. We'll help you. You know, we've got to help to try and defeat Darkseid." Yep. Um, and he said, uh, and in the end, O Earth, which of the two shall win in your domain? And he talks about um, peace or war, basically. Right. Um, so yeah, so that's that's that issue, and um, yeah. Yeah. and I think there's 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 not a lot to unpack. You know, the 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 central storyline behind it is is relatively straightforward. But mm-hmm. um, but what were your thoughts on the issue? Um, well, you know, we're enrolling the participation of these four regular humans with uh, Orion, and I love the panel on, uh, on the omnibus. It's, well, I guess in the issue, it's page 10 when they're all introducing themselves really conveniently. They just, in one panel, just, uh, I'm mm. Claudia Shane, you know, and Dave Lincoln <laughs> suggests the name for Orion, which is Orion, and then says, I'm Dave Lincoln. You know, it's just a, yeah, it's yeah. Like, oh, all their names is just in one panel. That's right. That's right. how that's how people talk. That's right. <laughs> but, um, I, Matthew Loon, think that that is how people talk. Hi, I'm Paul I. Uh, <laughs> and I'll help. This is terrifying. Um, yeah. I, I think that, um, though, I as you were talking about it, I realized that, um, I don't know, maybe there is editorial pressure on Kirby to center on the single character. You know, his mind is going to this giant world. And as you were saying, establishing things going on in the other books simultaneously and also seeding things for the future. So he's probably busy. And, and I don't know if it's from within himself or from an, an external voice who's saying we need to anchor the readers in a character and maybe a, a assortment of characters around them, you know, or mm. or whatever. But that's, that's kind of interesting to think about. I mean, I... <laughs> I had a similar laugh because really the first few pages where you see um, New Genesis are glorious. Like you said, you just have to like take it in and there's a playfulness. You know, it's New Genesis with with kids playing on Mm -hmm. some kind of wacky uh, 
carousel device, you know, that, yeah, that operates yeah. in, in different dimensions or something like that. And, and just the, the, the sort of spread and the sprawl of New Genesis and the sort of like uh, that technological sublime that Charles Hatfield talked about is just um, so beautiful and, and, and kind of awe-inspiring. And then, <laughs> right, exactly right, to cut away in a couple of pages to this office where <laughs> Darkseid is sitting there, <laughs> which is, I love that. That's the contrast, you know, like, like rather than from New Genesis to the apocalypse hellscape, it's like, <laughs> it's yeah. like New Genesis, Dave Lincoln's office with yeah. a filing cabinet. And there's nothing particularly wrong about Dave Lincoln's no, office, but no, it's it's, it's not like the, the you know the heavenly the heavenly like uh, Nirvana right. that is that is New Genesis. Yeah. That's right. That's right. That's right. And so he he um, Kirby's jamming all of that in. You know the the Desaad's mm. inventions, the um, uh, the little glimpses of apocalypse that we see and then those full page spreads of um of mantis which look, looks way more imposing than he did in forever people and stuff like that so yeah. i just feel like this is a uh, it, he's sort of painting his landscape as 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 large as it is in this book and that's kind of really fun to see and you know the one other thing i noticed and i'll and then i'll see if you have any other thoughts about it too is just that um I, you know, the, the sort of action climax where Orion on his, uh, I forget, I always forget what you call his little, his little, um, oh, know, Astro racer. Force. Yeah. Yeah. That, I want mm. one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. called. I need to know what it's called so I can order one. Um, <laughs> yeah. this, just the action where he's, you know, dealing with this, uh, fear, um, uh, billboard <laughs> is, um, it's so legible. And it just makes me think like Kirby's so good at this, you know, drawing and using those speed lines and sort of like showing action. There's like a moment where, uh, you know, you see Orion in the very typical sort of frontal shot. And then you see these um, him from these various vantage points where you, where the action is foregrounded and he's in the background. And so you get the sense of of a roving um you know, camera and his motion, but that you can tell exactly what's going on in every part of it. Um, Kirby is just so masterful at, at depicting action, particularly with the sort of tools of the time, you know, like the, mm. the visual tools of the time. He just does it so well. And yeah. so, you know, he's, he's getting to show off these full page splashes where he's painting whole worlds and he's also doing this like really great kind of action stuff. So I just thought that yeah. was really cool. Yeah, it is, and I think um, page well, page, page nineteen in the issue. Um, mm -hmm. Basically, it's the issue. It's the page where Orion is flying towards the billboard on yeah. the top of the mm -hmm. page. Um, that that is exactly the that page is exactly the. Um, it's, it's a great example of what you're talking about, really. And Kirby is a master of that of of the of the subtle way he leads you through a page and yeah. leads you through the action on a page. Um, and there's plenty of occasions where. Um, and I think if anyone listens to uh, Baxter Building, the mm -hmm. um, the read through podcast that Graham McMillan and Jeff Lester do on the Wait What podcast, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, which is a an inspiration for this podcast, so you should yep. definitely go and listen to them. Um, they talk about it in the early issues of Kirby. This this idea that the he is really the master of the six panel grid, and mm -hmm. while this is um, only four panels on the page, their their layout is is such that it is it follows the same conventions as yeah. the six panel grid That's the right. idea that the the top of the top third of the page leads you from left to right mm -hmm. and as orion flies towards the billboard and then the second panel leads you diagonally from the right down to the bottom left yep as you know the 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 angle is reversed so the you are looking from behind the billboard at mm -hmm. orion now as he's flying towards you from diagonally from the right down to right. the bottom left right and then down in the bottom left hand corner orion is firing his gun from left to right again right. to lead you back along the page 
and then finally there's a massive explosion which kind of is a is a period is a full stop on the <laughs> on the page itself yeah and 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 he does that a lot you yeah. know and we'll see that more and this this is probably not the best example of that like the early fantastic four issues do have that a lot more mm. um but you'll start to see that and you'll start to feel that a lot more as you go through it and there is a subtle art to that and i think mm-hmm. there's a lot of it that's intuitive don't yes. think he's doing it intentionally i think right. it is just the nature of a of a comic book artist to navigate the page in a way that you read it and it's the same with manga artists in reverse you right. know they lead you through the page the other way sure. um but there's also a skill to it that if you if you don't have it it's very jarring you know and it's a lot like lettering or coloring or anything like that if it's if it's great you you almost don't notice it yeah. and when it's bad you you really feel that there's something <laughs> off and there's something wrong and that can be used to advantages as well you know there's mm-hmm. there's there are some creators that i can't think of any off the top of my head but there are some there are some artists that that use that intuitive knowledge to mm-hmm. their advantage and when there's a scene that is unusual and when there's a scene that throws you off right. or is meant to be confusing like um Alison Sampson does it a lot in um her um mm. her work that she did last like, uh... year uh, Winnebago graveyard. Winnebago, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. She mm. she shrinks she shrinks architecture. She skews background. She mm. she shifts um like uh, known perspectives and moves them around to in order to confuse and scare you and get you lost on the page, you know, mm-hmm. mm. and to feel the fear that the characters fear, even if it's subconsciously this idea of in this issue, you know, you're led through it because it's a superhero narrative. You know, it's a straightforward A to B to C. Um, hero's journey almost right um whereas in winnebago graveyard and horror books of that of that kind they're they're meant to confuse you meant to throw you off meant to make you feel lost and alone and disoriented and and so that's that's the the subtle ways that that kind of kirby works through that and i think that that's on display here and it's it's fascinating to Mm -hmm. to kind of pick up on yeah it's really good yeah absolutely i mean that page and and we could maybe reproduce it or part um that page that you're talking about i think in in a in a again his chief goal is legibility, and I, I agree with you that, you know, he knows this is popcorn reading. You're supposed to fly through it fast, but it's it, that that doesn't mean it's not, you know, any less really subtle or smart the way that yeah. he frames that action on the page, really, because we have four, four static images, and yet we have um, Orion moving toward, and then o- Orion being blasted back, and then Orion shooting up, and then Orion falling back. And so the mm-hmm. trajectories of, you know, the rays that are shooting here and there, and then his the body of... of him in motion like it seems obvious as you read you know take doesn't mm-hmm. take much genius and yet it's all sort of very finely tuned and crafted in its angles to convey all of that on static page and um you're right that's totally his uh his artist's gift yeah mm. yeah yeah <laughs> should we move on to the next issue let's do it we're at Su- superman's pal jimmy olsen 137 oh, wow <laughs> the forearm tear so <laughs> we've been following the exploits of Jimmy and his pals in the the second generation Newsboy Legion, along with Superman, thrown in here occasionally to uh, not really be that super, as they've been finding out about this project that's been manipulating DNA, uh, DNA science with mm. uh, atomic science, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> the um, product of this experimentation gone awry is the forearm terror that we uh, later find out is the DNA alien. But uh, essentially, we start out uh, with him stalking up on. Um, <laughs> Gandhi and Yango, two uh, two of our <laughs> motorcycle uh, uh, hairy uh, guys that are um, that we've been we've been encountering along with Jimmy and uh, you know really what you what we have is basically a rampage book where uh, the forearm yeah. terror where um, 
the DNA alien is basically um, rampaging through uh, and causing uh, destruction and terror. And first, um, you know, the, the, the Newsboy Legion, who are kind of hanging out uh, to do on, on some sort of virtual reality, uh, <laughs> technologically uh, supported uh, yeah. head, head trip of their own, that this is uh, all kinds of forms of uh, LSD and... and <laughs> another, yeah, uh, another perfectly legal high. <laughs> another, another perfectly legal, perfectly authorized manipulation of brains. Uh, <laughs> And then uh, they get together. They hear about what's going on with this uh, this this uh, four armed monster, and they decide to. Well, it's first Superman in his uh, usual condescending old man kind of way is like, mm-hmm. "You, uh, I'm gonna go take care of this. You stay here." And uh, I love again yeah. how explicitly they call it out. You're gonna cause a generation gap. <laughs> yeah, that, that was very explicit in this issue. Like the things that we've been kind of touching on as as kind of Kirby's implicit kind of. Yeah. Uh, kind of under underhand way of dealing with superman is is writ, writ large in this issue like just uh superman's properly called out on it and that, that really made me chuckle as well i was like oh wow yeah so he's in case you weren't <laughs> weren't picking up on that right, right. this is uh yeah we'll have the kids chasing after superman shouting it at them you yeah. can't call us kids i'm over 21 <laughs> <laughs> yeah which made my 35 year old self go yeah you are a kid <laughs> so i kind of felt like i sided with superman a little bit too hard there but you know exactly that's, uh... yeah our little yeah. uh con- our jimmy olsen condescension jimmy olsen millennial mm, so yeah we... that's it <laughs> We um essentially Superman goes after them. Uh, the, they get on the the Newsboy Legion jumps on uh, jumps on the whiz wagon and goes after Superman. And then they confront the DNA alien. Uh, smash, smash, bang, bang. And uh, really, we wind up with them trying to use Jimmy Olsen with his uh, this dope helmet, <laughs> this outfit that you yeah. really, you know he looks looks he's the Guardian basically. Uh, but he um they they wind up having to uh you know contain this uh or try to contain this uh this DNA alien and then at the very end we uh return to seeing uh, Simeon and Mok- Mokar our um our evil Sadler and Waldorf, Waldorf who <laughs> remind <laughs> us that uh behind all this is still dark sides uh you know um dark side schemes to allow these various uh, efforts to undermine the uh, integrity of the American electorate uh, with uh, <laughs> with various uh, soft blows of of crazy villain stuff and mm. really that's kind of the end you know that's the ongoing uh, drama here it, it it occurs to me as we as we're reading this that this is though we're only on the second issue of most of, most of these right this is the fifth fifth issue of jimmy olsen that we've uh we've read and um i don't know i feel a little bit like it's slipping into um self-parody in some ways mm. um yeah you yeah. know but uh, i don't know what, what did you what was your take on this issue I, I agree, yeah. I think it is... Um, well, I mean, the fact that he makes that so explicit and kind of sure. the fact that he makes the idea of Superman saying that and them recoiling, like explicitly right. recoiling against it, almost, you know, backs up... It definitely backs up your idea that this is parody because, you know, by making that obvious, then it paints them as caricatures in a way that yeah. wasn't even wasn't even present in previous issues, which were already sure. kind of bonkers and book wild. Sure. Um, <laughs> But, but yeah, I feel as though, and I think the there is a lot to take from these issues. But the for me anyway, they are the almost the weakest link mm-hmm. of the saga. Even though I think I'm having a lot of fun reading them, and I think mm-hmm. I'm I'm probably enjoying and gets getting swept up in these ones almost more than I am the others. But I think oh. that's almost because the other issues I have more to chew on and a little mm-hmm. bit more to analyze and to think about and look at the analogies. Whereas that's not present here, and so it's right. almost kind of 
I can just roll with it a little bit easier. Right. Um, but yeah, there's like the you know the the idea of this format, four armed kind of demonic kind of creature is is like calling back to Kirby's previous kind of monster work, um, right. uh, especially at Marvel. You know, whereas um, you know um, the the monster kind of background that Marvel kind of came from and still was in at that time, you sure. know, um, was was his bread and butter for a good number of years. You know, where like um, which they kind of um, they paid homage to. Uh, with Monsters Unleashed in the last year or two. Mm, that's right. Um, so yeah, the forearm monster is that. I liked the kind of the rampage storyline that you're talking about, and mm-hmm. I liked the fact that the end was the the final page was was um, really effective because they mm. they portrayed this four-armed monster as as a genuine threat, you know, mm. and it, it was able to kind of hold its own against Superman and, and beat him back and carry on in his way. Yeah. And then at the end, you see this kind of warehouse full <laughs> right. of eggs that are hatching right. dozens and dozens of these four-armed monsters. So you do kind of think, oh, God, what's, you know, what's going to happen next next yep. issue, you know? And so that does that does its job very well, more so than any of the other issues so far, really, in the sense of I want to know what happens next. That's true. Um, and I want to see how they're going to combat against all of these all of these monsters. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. again, you know, not a not a great deal more substance to the <laughs> issue. But I, again, I don't think that's what Kirby's going for here. I don't think Kirby's aiming for this to be his his magnum opus. I think he's using this as a as a as a vessel to to bring back his talents as a monster as a, a monster of the week artist, yeah. but also bring back the Newsboy Legion and yeah. uh, and introduce kind of his crazier concepts. Mm. And no more so than the first few pages, really, because if there's any proof that Kirby has been given free reign to do whatever he wants, mm. um, and more so on this book, I imagine, because this was kind of a, a book that no one else wanted or was mm. low-selling. So mm. he has almost been given more free reign. It starts off fairly, as you say, fairly rampagey, and then when it cuts mm. to this kind of, this dream sequence, this um, this invention that mm-hmm. Jimmy Olsen has put together. The machine itself is wild. You know, right. it's an absolute crazy kind of machine. The solar then, phone, he calls it, right? That's it, yeah, yeah. solar yeah. phone. And they've got like two cups on each ear, each plugging <laughs> into this kind of huge machine. And there's kind of a visor around their eyes that isn't a visor. That's right. Um, and they're all holding hands in front of him. And there's, you know, a double page, a two single page spreads. Right. One looking at Superman and Jimmy, and then one looking at what they're seeing, which is the whole crowd of Harrys and Newsboy Legion, right. all with these headphones on. Right. Um, and then it cuts to three three pages, a single yeah. page and a double page, which is Kirby's photo montages or mm-hmm. photo collages, sorry, that he does. Um, and they're always amazing to look at. Yeah, they're always incredible. These black and white backgrounds, mm. these photo, these trippy kind of collages that are just shapes and. Mm. It almost sounds that he's he's putting together like this this um, dreamscape that he's putting together, mm. um, and then these um, you know brightly coloured, clear as day characters kind of superimposed over the top of it. Mm. Um, it happens in Fantastic Four, um, specifically the issue I'm thinking of is this man, this monster, where mm-hmm. Reed Richards is diving through the negative zone, I think. Right. Um, and that's very much the same as this. And when you see Ego, the Living Planet, for the first time, he's like a He's an amalgamation of, of different kind of faces, like a, almost like a kind of a photo fit kind of mm. wanted poster. Mm. Um, and here is the same. There's there's religious symbology mm-hmm, with kind mm-hmm. of the, the Buddha face and then yeah. there's um, flowers and there's planets and there's um, old, uh, what looks like um, buildings in the desert and yeah, yeah. smoke clouds and things. It's, it's truly amazing. And, and this is, you know, this is a perfect example of, Kirby doing whatever he wants on this book you know yeah. he's kind of he's letting everything go run wild he's 
you know he's he's exploring his artistic strength he's exploring his writing styles and this is this feels as though this issue, this series more than the others is a kind of a uh, um a, a sandpit almost for him to kind of play in and just kind of throw everything out there and see what happens and and yeah so it, it was it was a fun issue mm. but um but doesn't i don't know whether it adds much overall to the to the narrative but again i don't know whether it needs to <laughs> I feel like I'm flip-flopping back and forward. I'm kind of right. seesawing. Well, like it wasn't good, but it was great. But it wasn't good. Yeah, I mean, I, I said a bunch of stuff about it being like you know disposable, and then you just described this photo montage, which you're absolutely right is just this incredible melange of world, you know, sort of global mm-hmm. references, you know, mm-hmm. near eastern, um, uh, you know, desert buildings and you know Roman columns and and uh flowers and it's just it is just such a trip such a vision of you know of sort of a world you know that at this time is suddenly shrinking you know like uh, people's awareness the the sort of like um inundation of images of of really a a whole globe full of stuff in the background Mm. as these characters soar through um (laughs) in this trip and then, you know, to have that in the same issue as I'd almost forgotten about that last page, which you're actually right. It's it's actually a really smart setup for the monster rampage story to expand and like how where are we going to go from here? I love that. He says, um, so stay where you are on ground zero so you won't miss. You won't miss the following issue. You know, it's like, DJ, yeah, yeah, you, you, it's decided you're going to be here. You're going to find out what happens. With this. <laughs> All that is actually making me, um, you know. I think I sold this issue a little short, even in the way that I was talking about it. But uh, no, I you're don't right. know. I think it's mm. yeah. I think you're 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 right in to kind of say that this is a bit of bit disposable because it it is like in in the grand scheme of what we're what we're looking <laughs> right. at and what we're aiming to kind of get from these issues. Like of the of the four that we're discussing, there's there's not much that I think he picks up and runs with sure. um, elsewhere to the right. point where like there's no. Um, there's no reference really to dark side in this. It could be absolutely anything. Um, I kind of I, I've I've always been a little bit confused about what is, you know, what the different places are in this in this storyline. So they're at the project, but then there's also this evil project as well. Um, and so like it's made a bit more explicit. It made a bit more clear in this issue where it's like, yeah, they are at a good science place <laughs> and the the bad guys are at a bad science place and they're you know all kind of doing the science. same there's a science there's good science place right yeah yeah there's like a crossroads and it says good way to the left and bad way to the right and and yeah that that genuinely what it feels like because and, and it seems like they're all either under metropolis or just kind of down the road from metropolis um, yeah. and there's like an atomic power plant between the two mm-hmm. and so they're all carrying out the same kind of experiment but there's almost this idea that uh, and again, I think I'm reaching with this, but this mm. idea that science and the ex- exploration of atomic energy and stuff can be used for good, but can be used for evil as well. Mm. Um, and I think that's probably a stretch to say that that's what Kirby's exploring here. But I think, you know, underneath this is this idea that, mm. you know, bad guys are doing the same experiments that the good guys are doing. Mm. Um, but the bad guys are coming up with monstrous you know creations that kind of mm. come out of eggs with four arms and go on a rampage whereas the good guys are kind of just cloning jimmy olsen mm. um as if that's not a terrifying thing <laughs> in its own <laughs> being but they're like jimmy olsen's fine with it so uh, apparently we are as well yes. <laughs> but yeah so yeah that, that that i feel like that kind of theme is is probably a bit of a stretch but at the same time it huh. you know there there's more to it than i think we're we both of us at first thought um, yeah. but also not as much as the other issues 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think I think to to appreciate that you have to just kind of take it for what it is, which is that it's that it's that sort of fourth book that's the free room for play, you know, mm, because he's got yeah. he's got sort of business to do with the other books, and so uh, this book, you know, has been and sort of remains here on a sort of its own tip, which is kind of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, should we have a look at the last issue then? Let's um, do it. Let's we've go. We've got uh, Mr. Miracle issue two, um, which introduces a a prominent character, one of my mm. kind of most fascinating characters, or the one of the fast characters I find the most fascinating, and that's Granny Goodness. Yeah. Um, we find out through her, or almost because of her, we find out a little bit more about Scott Free's history, Scott Free's backstory, and his links with... Um, his links with um, Apocalypse mm-hmm. and Darkseid. Um, and one thing that I didn't, I forgot to mention in New Gods is they they very subtly, like there's a moment between um, Darkseid and Desad where mm. Desad talks about the idea of Orion being too strong and too powerful to, like almost too strong and too powerful to have come from New Genesis. Yep. And there's there's almost a tension between Desad and Darkseid, where Desad's kind of poking at Darkseid yeah. to say, you know, this this person, he's almost it's almost like he's from Apocalypse, yeah. you know. And they mentioned in New Gods issue one, like almost just breeze past the idea that Orion is the son of Darkseid or he yes. is of Apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll get to see that coming up a little later. Um, but um, here in Mister Miracle, we see the reverse of that. We see Scott Free, a man that has that has grown up on apocalypse he's been raised by this uh demonic woman this mm-hmm. you know evil manipulative twisted woman um into you know into servitude to her and to ultimately into dark side um but he has emerged from it as a good person you know he's emerged from it as a person that escapes escape is what he does right. he he you know his ultimate escape is explained here that he escaped from granny goodness and her kind of terrifying orphanages on apocalypse Right. And um, right. and she's aiming, she's angling to get him back. You know, she. Right. It's very much a personal thing for her. You you read that he is the only person that has escaped her. You know, and that's she mm-hmm. says. I think I can't remember whether she says he's the only person or he's the first person. Mm-hmm. Um, which um, let's have a look. Um, yeah, I'm looking for it now. Yeah, he was the first to run away from her institution. So that right. kind of implies that he wasn't the only one. But at the right. same time, there is something personal and there is something deeper to that. Even though later in the issue she um, is kind of um, very explicit in explaining to her subject that they are serving her, mm. um, and they're but they're actually serving Darkseid. They reward her, but they mm-hmm. serve Darkseid and That's they right. love Darkseid. Um, and so everything she does, she does for her master. So she's very loyal to a fault, um, but she is this um, imposing character. Mm-hmm. And so much so that in direct contrast, as we as we read these four issues together, you know, you've got Mantis, who is this generic, you know, kind of mustache twirling, evil for the sake of evil kind of bad guy that just kind of goes out there and smashes things up until he crawls back into his walnut shell. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then you've got Granny, who is, yeah. she's not, you know, she, she is evil. She's yes. obviously evil, but she's more... Um, She's more delicately evil, I right. think. I think there's a, there's a there's an undercurrent to her where you you sense the earnestness in what she's saying. She believes that what she's doing is right. She is the language she uses is very manipulative, very mm-hmm. kind of there's a there's an undercurrent of abuse, like mental mm-hmm. and emotional abuse that mm-hmm. permeates through her words in a really 
um really kind of mature way for yeah. for the comics era you know mm-hmm. um she talks about her soldier boys as her children mm-hmm. her body language is like kind of patting them on the head and she loves them but she beats them mm-hmm. and she talks about my soldier boys never fail their granny my soldier boys are the best bring that horrible young scot free to granny you know right. constantly referring to herself as granny because sure. that's a that's a matriarchal it's a it's a familial thing you know and um, you talking earlier about, um, you know, you like prestige shows and things like that. Um, it kind of called, called to mind the fact that, and this might be myself influencing this series rather than the series influencing me. Um, but I feel as my, my wife and I are kind of um, powering through uh, The Handmaid's Tale from mm-hmm, Hulu mm-hmm, mm-hmm. at the moment. And there, there's obviously there's, there's no, you know, that world and the, the analogy that Margaret Atwood and, you know, the... Mm-hmm. The extended cast of the show are, are, are portraying in that is is obviously leagues apart from the kind of the the high fantasy, colourful, um, you know, superhero <laughs> stuff that we're delving into. Um, maybe, but, maybe maybe not so much. <laughs> maybe, maybe not so much, you know. But yeah, because right. I, I do feel as though Granny Goodness is is very much the same kind of character and the same yeah. kind of idea as um, in the series. Anyway, I've I've um, I've read most of the book, but I've not read all of the book. Um, but Aunt Lydia in the series, mm-hmm. I don't know if you if you watch it or not. Mm-hmm. But yeah. um yeah, but um so Granny Goodness has very much a feeling of that where um she's earnest, she believes in what she's doing is right, and right. she doesn't see the layers upon layers of abuse that right. uh that kind of as I say permeates through her words. Yeah. Um and it makes her a fascinating character and it makes her a fascinating um tendril of right. Dark Side. You That's know, right. because this is yet another angle that Darkseid uses to explore. Yeah. Um and again they mention in the Handmaid's Tale the 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 elegant viciousness of using women to manipulate women and sure. using um using matriarchal terms like Aunt Lydia and um and things like that, like familial um terms of abusers, you know, in right. order to kind of bring bring your subservience into line with a like parent and child relationship yeah um mm. and that's what and that's what granny goodness is doing um mm-hmm. and you know generally speaking basically the the story is oberon and um oberon gets kind of kidnapped along with a robot that scott free makes to <laughs> resemble himself um which is the follower, right? yeah the follower you know so diving from handsmaid's tale to kind of uh robots that act and look like you sure. um but they granny goodness kidnaps them or has a servant boys kidnap them and mr miracle goes back to save oberon um and they get caught in the x pit which mm-hmm. is this um it's more it almost feels like it's more a metaphorical idea than mm-hmm, an actual mm-hmm. kind of um conceptual realized um trap right. but um granny goodness uses overlord as this um robotic or you know unseen at first kind of right. robotic um element to create this x pit which is a glass box with um stages of torture um and they're all kind of one is flames and smoke another mm-hmm. is electroshock another is thickening mud um <laughs> and you know he has to escape from it and he does um he escapes in kind of because he's mr miracle right um right. and there's a kind of almost a james bond element where she says uh scott free only a miracle could have gotten you out of the expert <laughs> and it's like yeah lady <laughs> i am a miracle you know <laughs> yeah lady that's that's in the name um and so kind of you know he stands there proud and um not a miracle granny a memory the memory of a gift you once received um and we see that this overlord is just a a small creature in a box 
um which is you know symbolic in a way of yeah. you know just how kind of small these these villains really are you know when everything's put in perspective who really is the bigger man and all that mm-hmm. um and then uh, and yeah he shoots off on his um discs flying aero discs which you know if you want the astro force i want these aero discs even though they're just basically dinner plates that he puts on his feet and that right. propel him around i imagine that is impossible to learn how to, to fly they would go off in different directions they would tip me upside down there's no way that i would look cool riding on those aero discs but they but look I'd, amazing uh, yeah they look great when he does it yeah it's like when um, i was a kid and uh i tried to be gambit with my playing cards and i just looked you know, look like an idiot, just cards around. But uh, <laughs> yeah. they look really cool on on the on the page. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they end up just kind of flying back and hitting you in the face. And, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We can never, we can never be in this life. That's why we talk about them because we can't actually be them. That's yeah. right. That's right. I'm not a comic book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So, what were your thoughts on the issue? I loved it, and I loved your reading of it. Actually, I was just I sort of got caught in a reverie while you were describing it. But you know, <laughs> the first thought that comes to me is that. Yeah, I think part of the maybe, you know, we haven't been complaining about the last few issues, but, um, you know, a weak spot, at least, is just (laughs) Brola sucks, you know? Yeah, yeah. The forearmed alien, the rampage idea is kind of cool, but, you know, Granny Goodness is just such an encapsulation of smart villainy. You know, like mm, this is yeah. this is Hitchcock villainy. You know, this isn't yeah. like just I mean, monster movie villainy has its own appeals, but it's like this is on another level. Mm. Um, I think the beginning when Overlord is narrating its um, its sort of um, you know its command or whatever. I am Overlord. I create. I destroy. And it's in the background while Oberon and uh, and uh, and Scott are are forming the follower. It's it actually. Yeah reminds me of the dark side is that um tom king is utilizing in the in the current mr yeah. Marvel series yeah, you know that sort of like yeah. haunting presence of a of an ominous voice and of course mm. it, it gets revealed for what it is but really it's the sense that there's this greater evil um this greater evil that um is sort of like finding these different angles to insinuate itself which is um really quite imposing and and is more way more effective than brola <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as, yeah as or a, mantis. A, that's right that's right but i think it um you know as you were talking about with orion and his origins and his as and what we're kind of gradually being uh uh you know uh, caught up on with with mr miracle's background there you know it gets to the root of the bottom line i think the bottom line ethos of new gods which is kirby's you know essential view of the world that you know there's good there's evil and we have and we make choices you know it's not Mm. predetermined for us and i think that that um and 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 there's different ways at which we have to sort of try to make that choice and mr miracles being one of eternally perpetually trying to have to escape fate you know and escape um the the claws of oppression or whatever it's just um yeah it's super super fascinating watching it play out um especially given especially with the backdrop of this this kind of villainy that um granny goodness represents it's just psychologically so um you know it's i mean superhero comics but it's just psychologically so layered that it's really really pretty great really pretty fascinating and um i don't know i mean at this this is my favorite issue of the of the you know of the four from this week i agree yeah i agree it's those dimensions exactly it's granny goodness being as uh you know, as um, ironic a, a villain as as <laughs> she is, and yeah, I think yeah. probably it has my uh, my my king's speech moment. The the sort of one little phrase that out of these issues, it's when Oberon um, encounters uh, 
Uh, oh yeah, it's when Scott's trying to trying out this, which by the way is just also dumb. He's he's doing this escape artist practice, shooting, <laughs> shooting yeah. spears at himself. But um, you know, barely, barely saved in the nick of time by the mother box, and uh, he says, "Mother box, help me calculate my movements." But she she's still pretty weak, and Oberon running up to him says, "This is on page 11. They have strange mothers where you come from. <laughs> like, yeah, no. yeah. And it's again, absolutely. that's like, that's quite an explicit thing, isn't it? Because, right. you know, on the one hand, we're talking about mother box, which, you know, yep. is overall sees all and is protector. Yes. Um, and this kind of matriarchal figure that is a protector. And even in forever people, they, they almost balk at the idea. They say, we're not kids anymore. We don't need mother box yep. to protect us. Right. You know, so they, 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 they mention, you know, in the text that right. she is the parent and they are the child. Right. Uh, or that relationship is very much that. And then you have Granny Goodness, which, again, takes takes something good and makes it evil. <laughs> you know, takes something that you are meant to put your faith in and your trust in. Yeah. And you're meant to, you know, the, and the very kind of basis of New Genesis's life is around this mother box. So they, yeah. their terminology and their, their reverence of their mothers is built into their kind of technology. That's and right. then, yeah. you know, Dark Side and Granny Goodness manipulate that trust and that faith by creating... Right. A, a granny who's almost you know if we're talking about hierarchy she's one above you know she's you know you got your mother i've got your grandmother you know That's right. and so she's she's even more uh, a part a matriarch of the family and so she is over over mother and but she's almost manipulative and she she twists that faith and that hope huh. and and that yes. love and the fact that she's in charge of children and she's in charge of raising children sure, sure. um is um is is the terrifying aspect of it as well and so there is yeah. there is a darker a darker, like more subtle, um, pervading kind of evil that yeah. that is threaded through Granny Goodness as a character, but right. you know, no more so. That I, I feel as though the one of the last panels we talked about with um, kind of Mister Miracle flying off on his aero discs and pulling, <laughs> you know, a really superheroic pose, and Oberon's perched on his shoulder. You know, they're heroes. They've won the day. They're escaping, right. and instead of it being, you know. Um, a, a funny quip or a one-liner about, you know, we've saved the day again. Humanity right. is restored. He turns around to Oberon and he says, it took a lot of nerve to say that to a terror-like granny. Right. And I, I, I love that. I love that kind of moment where he's so looking at it. He's so heroic. He's so kind of, he's just had this really cool moment where she's like, yeah. it'd take a miracle. And he's like, yeah, no, duh, I am Mr. Miracle, you know. And then as he's flying away, he's like, no, that was, that was terrifying. I, it took a lot of nerve to say that. <laughs> and it's just, and then Oberon's like, fly faster. I've got an eerie feeling she's worn up for a yeah. second round, you know. And so yeah. there is that moment where it's like, you know, yeah, he's won the day. Yeah, he's the hero, and yet he's he he turns around in the in the subtle moments, the quieter moments after the storm, and says, "Yeah, no, that was that took a lot of nerve to say that." And that's mm -hmm. quite human. That's quite that's quite um, grounding in a way mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. you're not expecting from a panel of a guy kind of dressed in brightly coloured garb, like flying away on aero <laughs> discs. You know, there's, there's something quite human about that. Um, and so that was that was fascinating as well. So yeah, yes. overall this is um, a brilliant issue and a really yeah. strong kind of um, a strong introduction to the yeah. the layers of of Kirby's fourth world that I think yeah. we're we're only just kind of starting to uncover. Yeah, yeah, and and you know just to bring it back around to flip the coin over again, yet again. I mean, I think that this issue and in fact where what comes of Mister Miracle is very much built on these um, deep deep archetypal sort of um things and it's a probably a very male thing but like of a fear of mothers <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah a fear a fear of the dreadful mother and a, and a sort of attempt to escape to be able to remake yourself as something else but i think that's where i'm kind of and this is about all 
all four issues and where we are, I'm kind of actually kind of, you know, I didn't know that the idea of a mother box would be as significant when we made it our title as it is because, <laughs> you know, the mother, like, you know, it could be, it's a pretty dark picture of, of motherhood <laughs> to think about granny goodness. On yeah. the other hand, these mother boxes are, you know, again and again, I forgot where, but somewhere in these four pages, it talks about how they just like, they appear, they, right when you need them, they sort of are there to rescue you. Um, they, you know, mm. maybe just in the nick of time and it's a extraordinary what you do. They, they bring about the fulfillment of your dreams. And, you know, you think about somebody like Kirby who, um, I forget uh, his family, his, his own parentage, but like, you know, clearly as he's going to war and, and, and in, in a sense orphaned, and yet you have this sense of a legacy of, your parents living with you, you know, it's like, mm -hmm. even if they are no longer there. And so despite the, the ominousness of, of this dark um, granny goodness character figure who is sort of impossible to escape on one hand, there's also this sense that a mother figure um, is, a, is a sort of an abiding spirit and, and there to help you, uh, you know, personally, and not to get too personal, Matt, but you know, like I lost my mom recently and uh, mm -hmm. you know, my mom, <laughs> this is, I didn't even realize it's still reading for this recording. You know what my mom's name was? Wow. It was Ping. Oh, wow. <laughs> <Isn't> that crazy. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you know, I just have this sense that, that uh, mom is not, you know, sort of physically around, but she's this abiding spirit for me as I go through everything that I'm going through in life. And so I, of, of course, I just like anybody have gone through periods and stages where life felt a little bit like I was running from granny goodness. But, you know, mm -hmm. I think I'm in one where also, you know, the, 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 the sense of a sojourner in a, in a strange land needing to rely on this one um, sort of spiritual connection to home is, is kind of what the mother box is representing. It's, a, I think, to me, a fascinating uh, set of, you know, fascinating motif in these stories as well. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good um that's a good that's a good point because it's Motherbox there's not I don't know if Motherbox gets explained any more kind of clearly as a mm -hmm. you know laid out technologically what she actually is. Um right. but I like at the moment that she is as you say there's almost there's not a Deus Ex Machina a, a bit part mm -hmm. to her like there is no, yeah. she's not she doesn't save the day in a miracle kind of oh yeah here it is. Sure. Um but at the same time she's there as a presence that helps the characters through moments that right. they potentially would have struggled with on their own. Right. Um, and, and Oberon says, oh, is that thing alive? And he says, in a way, she is. Um, and it's like that. that's almost like, as you were talking about, like your memories of, sure. of a person and how sure. they influence your life and how they kind of, um, you know, creep into your decision-making, creep into your um, nerves as you're right. stealing up for something. You know, the, right. the right. idea right. of the mother box being there and like there's a moment there's a panel after that where um scott free says in a way she is but now she's hurt weak i must pour out my love my belief to make her respond you know he's sat there cross-legged with his head in his hands you know that's quite mm. a quite a childlike pose almost and quite a one that's racked with emotion um mm. and he's there you know this is just a little box that he has on his arm um mm. but that could be a cross around the neck it could be a photo it could be something that you cling on to in order mm -hmm. to um, you know, in order to steal yourself for something that's that's going on, and and yeah, it, it does it does definitely feel like that. And I kind of hope, in a way, that Mother Box isn't um, more um, thoroughly explained. I mm -hmm. like the idea yeah. of it being this whatever the character wants it to be, whatever the character needs it to be. Yeah. Um, and you know, we see in kind of in later issues or later series and of in DC's universe, and even in the movies, we see that Mother Box has become this 
physical thing it is a mother box you right. know it is a it is a box of which kind of magical science happens sure and um, whereas here at this moment in time it is it is there as a as a supporting role to yeah. all of these characters and it is whatever they want it to be and that's uh that's yeah. quite an interesting aspect to it. Yeah, certainly yeah, a, con- yeah. a good kind of um, flip of the coin to to what Granny Goodness is and represents. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, I want the Scott Free version, the one I can attach on my arm. That's super cool. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a dope mother box. Edition. There is that. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, Matt, this has been fun going through these four issues. Yes, yeah, they've been great. They've been uh, uh, there's a lot more in these four issues than I first thought as well. And I think yeah. something about talking with you and looking through the issues as we talk is um kind of brings out a lot more information from them than I kind of thought was there. Like I try and make a few notes before we start talking, but um I didn't get a chance to this time and I kind of thought, "Oh, I hope that that doesn't <laughs> hinder our conversation in any way." But no, it hasn't done. Uh, we've we've managed to find a lot to talk about. No, I feel like yeah, exactly the same, which is like the opposite of my expectation, you know, we just um we yeah i i I learned so much i enjoy just listening to you talk about these comics and feel a deeper sense of connection with them i hope listeners feel the same um next time around in two weeks we're going to get to forever people three superman superman's pal jimmy olsen 138 new gods number three and then uh oh interesting twist Mm. next up on the schedule is actually superman's pal jimmy uh, sorry the table of contents of the omnibus is superman's pal jimmy olsen 139 before mr miracle number three but maybe you and i will flip that you know maybe we can keep keep up with the next issue of each of the each of the series Uh, yeah 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 i'm sure that that won't throw throw things off too much and people (laughs) in a spiral of confusion (laughs) where they just don't know what to look at next i'm sure they will know what they're doing i think you can handle yourselves we're all adults here um but we hope you've enjoyed uh sitting sitting and uh going through the boom tube with us and and this episode of mother box hey you know we're gonna i think after this episode we got three in the can now so we'd like to really sign it kind of like i said at the top put it out there uh onto apple Podcasts and stuff like that so um let's i think it's time to start drumming out the support right matt we want to get folks to spread the word about uh about mother box and and tell people to to listen in read along and uh you know uh shout us out wherever you you do on social media or whatever yeah and get in touch with us absolutely yeah reach out to us um in uh, in the multiple ways that we'll tell you about shortly but yeah we we'd love to hear your thoughts about it and we'd love to hear your opinions on the issues that we've uh, that we've talked about we'd love to hear your kind of opinions on new gods and fourth world generally what your kind of thoughts and your hopes for this read through are let us know if you're reading along with us um and also um yeah just if you if you like the show if you're enjoying it uh share it with a friend tell someone else hey you might like this episode you might like this podcast um and that will help our you know kind of audience grow and help us Mm -hmm. to kind of reach more people and and kind of hopefully get a uh, a bigger grander more diverse dialogue uh, going on (laughs) with these uh, with these with these issues yeah yeah absolutely we would love that um in the meanwhile until all that goes live uh look for us at multiversitycomics.com our home and yours for um great comics coverage um and uh you know we'll also peg the rss feed at least until all all the it's it's up there on all the podcast platforms and you can just Mm -hmm. also always input that into your podcast app or whatever you're using to listen to this um to subscribe but uh in the meantime uh you can find me on twitter at tuplai t-w-o-p-l-a-i matt uh yeah you can find me at matt loon m-a-t-t-l-u-n-e yeah uh i I don't know Do, do, do we want them to cut don't call my cell phone uh. <laughs> no, don't reach out to me on MySpace. I've not been there in years. 
<laughs> really, you're not keeping up your MySpace because mine um, is uh, a lot of traffic. <laughs> you get a lot of traffic. Yeah. What you got a song playing as soon as you uh, as soon as people That's load right. up the page. It's really annoying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's been a good time, man. Thank you. Yeah, thank you as well. Yeah, we'll, uh, I'll speak to you soon. All right.